It is Wednesday, September 27th, 2023, and this is Ozarks at Large. I'm Kyle Kellum. I'm Matthew Moore. Today, restoring wetlands. A lot of times we think of them as a nuisance, but they're, they're actually working for us, and um, they're not a nuisance at all. We, we need wetlands. They filter pollutants. They create special habitats that other land features don't create. How a recent Supreme Court ruling is impacting local waterways and wetlands. Plus, the creator of a new mural in Bentonville interviews people who live and work near where she's going to be painting. Because I think if you're, I mean, I'm making a generalization about being an artist or being a writer or anything, I think you're always downloading information. And an upcoming esports and gaming festival in Fayetteville is for parents as well. When they start to engage with their their kids around these uh, creators, it becomes a really interesting bonding moment. First, the news from NPR. Support comes from the Central Arkansas Library System Six Bridges Book Festival, September 25th through October 1st. Featuring cooking and writing workshops, a full day of family events, plus presentations from David Grand, Pulitzer Prize winner Andrew Sean Greer, birder Christian Cooper, and NPR's book critic Maureen Corrigan. Schedule at sixbridgesbookfestival.org. Supported in part by the Little Rock Convention and Visitors Bureau. The Momentary in Bentonville presents international pop artist Rina Sawayama with Express and Disco Cowboy Saturday, October 6th. Celebrating her newest album, Hold the Girl, this concert is part of The Momentary's Live on the Green concert series. Tickets at themomentary.org. This is Ozarks at Large for Wednesday, September 27th on your public radio station, 91.3 KUAF. I'm Kyle Callums. I'm Matthew Moore. KUAF is a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. Later this hour, artist Gustav Carlson embraces the Ozarks, comics, and storytelling. He talks with Ozarks at Large's Timothy Dennis about his latest work and what's ahead. That's in our second half hour. Right now, we're going to remind you that this is the on-air fundraiser for 91.3 KUAF, the fall fundraiser. And we're going to remind you that the reason we can bring you the interviews and stories on Ozarks at Large that we do six times a week, it's because, like all the other programs, you help pay for it. We're about halfway through the week at this point, and we're well past the halfway yeah, we mark. Um, we're, we're headed towards a goal of $100,000 by the end of this week, and we're only able to do that with your support. And we have some friends, David and... David and Deborah Malone of Fayetteville, who are going to put up $100 today. Yep. $100 challenge, dollar for dollar. Your money will be matched during this hour's Ozarks at Large, thanks to the support of David and Deborah Malone. If you're regular listeners to KUAF and Ozarks at Large, no doubt, you won't be surprised to hear that we have big ambitions for thoughtful, dynamic storytelling and news coverage in the rest of 2023. These are plans that can only be realized with listener support. From the local stories and interviews you hear on Ozarks at Large, to the voices and conversations of our neighbors that you might hear in the listening lab, to the community focus of our podcast, your support makes it possible. That's why we're asking you to take action right now on behalf of KUAF and our public mission of ensuring that people of our region are well-informed every day. You can contribute at supportkuaf.com. Help us match that challenge. That's right. And, you know, when you think about as you're listening to the stories today, uh, we're, we're going to hear a story from Ozarks at Large's Jacqueline Froelich here in just a moment. Uh, she went out in the field. She has equipment. She has to travel. All of those cost some money 
to us here at the radio station. And if these are the kind of stories that you love, these sound rich in the field kind of stories, it takes some dollars, folks. So you can help us to pay for that sort of uh, equipment, that sort of hardware that it takes to make these stories come to you day in and day out. You can make that gift at support. KUAF.com. The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency and U.S. Army Corps of Engineers have long regulated the waters of the United States. Last May, a ruling by the U.S. Supreme Court removed protections for many wetlands under the Clean Water Act. Ozarks at Large's Jacqueline Froelich takes us to an urban watershed to learn about the critical role wetlands play. Tanglewood Branch, a pretty little creek, flows through the heart of Fayetteville this morning in a new city park named the Lower Ramble. The steep valley stream, which drains a large downtown commercial and residential district, runs amazingly clear, small fish darting through the shallows. The creek's been impaired for decades by flash flooding littered with forest debris and trash and overgrown with invasive greenery. Last year, Watershed Conservation Resource Center staff, based in Fayetteville, in collaboration with city park staff, restored this section of Tanglewood Branch. Boulders and cup block were hauled in and strategically placed in the creek bed and along the banks to reduce water velocity and create pools and cleansing riffles. Native plants and trees were installed to prevent soil erosion, and upstream, a tiny wetland was also restored along a spring-fed tributary. Wetlands are very simple. They're just areas that hold water. That's Sandy Formica, Executive Director of the Watershed Conservation Resource Center. Wetlands, also referred to as marshes, swamps, bogs, and fens, are disappearing on the Ozarks due to agricultural and urban development. Formica hikes above Tanglewood Creek to the restored perched wetland located below the recently expanded Fayetteville Public Library. The hydrology with all the development had changed, and so there were wet springs coming out of the hillside um, that had emerged. So we ended up restoring that whole area um, into a wetland. We harvested uh, seed from um, wetlands on the West Fork of the White River, and we put that seed out here. And there's uh, several species of wetland plants, and we specifically designed it, we added a lot of boulders because we learned from some of our um, colleagues that salamanders like spring, like boulders and spring water and we're hoping that uh, we have salamanders that come and populate this area. The Watershed Conservation Resource Center has restored or improved more than 30 waterways in the region with the help of grant funding, measurable data from that work reveals vastly reduced stream bank erosion, sedimentation, and agricultural phosphorus pollution. And you need wetlands to help keep the water clean, and, and so it's less costly to treat it. So, um, for example, the West Fork of the White River uh, flows to the White River, which forms Beaver Lake, and that's Northwest Arkansas's drinking water source. It's in everybody's best interest to protect wetlands um, in order to uh, keep our drinking water and keep our rivers clean. We like to fish, swim, boat in our rivers. We need those wetlands to make it a nice experience. Formica walks deeper into the terraced Tanglewood wetland, lush with native rushes called juncus, brilliant red cardinal flower, rose mallow, and blue lobelia. 
gorgeous, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. Formica says US EPA and the city of Fayetteville funded the Tanglewood Creek Restoration Project, including this little wetland, which is now helping to keep this watershed clean. Um, wetlands are essential for protecting water quality and um, a lot of times we think of them as a nuisance, but they're, they're actually working for us. And um, they're not a nuisance at all. We, we need wetlands. They filter pollutants. They create special habitats that other land features don't create. So you get more species diversity. Um, they retain water, so um, they reduce flows to our, our streams, preventing stream bank erosion. EPA and U.S. Army Corps of Engineers have ecological jurisdiction over what's referred to as WOTUS, or Waters, of the United States. Their task is to protect oceans, lakes, and rivers. That also includes ephemeral or intermittent streams and wetlands. That is, until last May, when the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that the Clean Water Act extends only to wetlands that have a continuous surface connection with navigable waters. Many developers and private property rights advocates have long pressed for this change. Protection of these ephemeral waterways are now left to states, counties, and cities. We queried the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers in Little Rock for comment on the ruling. Public Affairs Chief Randall J. Thompson says he couldn't comment due to litigation by EPA. For now, the rule's immediate effect requires the Corps of Engineers and EPA to pause all Clean Water Act jurisdictional determinations until next steps are decided. In the near term, agencies may issue informal guidance to ensure that Clean Water Act permitting decisions are consistent with the court's decision. Sandy Formica declined to comment on the Supreme Court ruling or the political debates surrounding it, but she says this Tanglewood Creek wetland is a variation of novel Ozark Highland wetlands. So on the West Fork of the White River, you, um, since that's a mountain stream, you're gonna have more riverine type wetlands, though there are prairie features near the floodplains of the West Fork. Um, and so you could have wet prairies, but you have quite a few natural riverines uh, wetlands, and um, they are generally created from old channel scars from when the river was in a different location. And um, in the lower part of the West Fork, we have some really special um, wetlands. Um, we worked with uh, one of the government agencies and they coined, them, coined a name for them, um, Ozark Highlands Oxbow. And what makes them special is um, they kind of act like an oxbow that, that you see in central or southern Arkansas, um, but um, they're connected to the channel at uh, what we call the bankful flow and higher. And so the, the fish can use it for a nursery. And so it actually enhances the, the fisheries and the, the habitat of your river system. Ozark Highland Oxbow Wetlands, just one example of wetland ecology in Arkansas. Formica says they provide critical ecosystem services, including providing rich habitat for aquatic and terrestrial wildlife and people for Ozarks at large. I'm Jacqueline Froelich. And you can take advantage of the sounds of the outdoors and learn more about them Saturday afternoon at Prairie Grove Battlefield State Park. 
There will be a listening walk from 2 until 2.30, beginning at the schoolhouse in the park. It's about a half-mile walk, and before it begins, there will be some explanation of the sounds you'll experience. It's just one of the events taking place at the park Saturday. More about Prairie Grove Battlefield State Park at ArkansasStateParks.com. Ahead on today's show, Rewired Fest is coming back to Bud Walton Arena early next month. There will be esports, gaming, and a chance to walk barefoot on Lego bricks. It's a crazy story. So I'm actually a three-time Guinness World Record holder for walking across Lego bricks barefoot. And the second time that I broke the world record, I found my purpose in life. And I quit my job, I cashed out my retirement, and I started Little Bricks Charity. We'll learn more in about seven minutes on today's Ozarks at Large. Also today, the fall fundraiser at KUAF continues. That's right. We are on a mission to raise $100,000 by the end of this week on Friday. We're well on that pace, doing yeah, a great are. job so far. You can help us to meet that goal, maybe even earlier than expected. You can help us do that at supportskuaf.com. What if there was a nudge? What if someone said, you know what, I have a challenge for someone that if they give a certain amount, if we can raise a certain amount, you know, during Ozarks at Large, we'll match that amount. Well, it's funny that you say that, Kyle, yeah. because we have one of those. David and Deborah Malone, our friends in Fayetteville, have put out a challenge of $100 during this hour's Ozarks at Large. You can make a gift up to $100, and it will be matched dollar for dollar by our friends David and Deborah. You can go to supportkuaf.com, make that gift uh, during this hour, and, uh, and it'll be doubled thanks to their generosity. As a listener, you share with KUAF an essential partnership in helping achieve our mission that's supporting the critical resources resources KUAF has to have to investigate deeply, to report fearlessly, and make all of it freely available to everyone who lives here. No paywall here. You can find our stories at ozarksatlarge.com and KUAF.com for free, and you can share them easily with links. So we're able to do that because of past support from listeners like you, and we'll continue to do it with continued support, and you can make that support in the amount you choose at supportkuaf.com. That's right. Maybe you've never had an opportunity to give. Maybe this is your first time being a part of an on-air fundraiser. Welcome. This is kind of what it sounds like all throughout the week. Uh, You can make a gift right now for the first time at supportkuaf.com. Maybe you've been a contributing listener for several years. You started out giving $5 a month because that's what you could afford. And the more time you spent listening to and, uh, you know, enjoying what you hear on KUAF, maybe you're thinking it's time to, to ante up a little bit and give just a tiny bit more. You can take an opportunity to do that now at supportkuaf.com. And thank you. Do you like daily word puzzles that feature color-based hints? If you do, you're in luck. Introducing the KUAF Newsword, a daily word puzzle that tests your Ozarks at Large listening skills. Just go to KUAF's website or newsword.org slash KUAF to start puzzling. Happy thinking. U.S. Senator John Bozeman hand-delivered more than a dozen interviews of Arkansas veterans to be preserved in the Library of Congress. It's part of the Veterans History Project at the Library of Congress, which was established in 2000 to collect oral history of veterans. The Arkansas Senator's staff conducted interviews with veterans of World War II to 
conflicts as recent as Desert Shield. Senator Bozeman says his own father was a veteran of World War II, but didn't often talk of his experiences, and he wishes he had asked more about that time in his life. He says in a press release, this project is a unique collection that celebrates the service and sacrifice of the men and women who wore our nation's uniform. Arkansas Immigrant Defense is offering free naturalization services to around 30 qualifying immigrants. The nonprofit, based in Rogers, received a grant from the New Americans Campaign to fund these services. Myra Esquivel, a U.S. Department of Justice accredited paralegal with Arkansas Immigrant Defense, says staff are on hand to help guide candidates through the rigorous process. You actually have to have a green card before you can apply, and you have to have a green card for either three years or five years. Right. Um, Three years if you're married to a U.S. citizen spouse, five years if you're not. Apart from that, there is also an English proficiency portion to the naturalization process. So um, you want to make sure that you feel comfortable taking the English test and also answering the civics government questions when it comes to the interview. The future Americans are responsible for the naturalization filing fee, but their legal fees will be covered, Esquivel says. As far as the government fee, that one is 725 However, there are some fee waivers. Um, and so in order to qualify, the person's household income does have to be under 150% of the poverty guideline. Um, or they do have to be receiving some type of mean-tested benefits. Or they have to have some type of financial hardship and, you know, have evidence to support that. AID has represented nearly 1,000 refugees and immigrants over the last decade. Overnight closures for the intersection of Lancashire Boulevard and Dogwood Drive in Bella Vista will begin on Sunday. The contractor is completing grading work in order to flatten out the intersection, improving the line of sight for motorists. The road work is a continuation of the Tanyard Bridge replacement that recently occurred in the area. Lancashire Boulevard will be open to one-lane traffic during the overnight hours, with flaggers in place for the repaving. The intersection will be closed overnight from 8 p.m. to 4.30 a.m. through Friday, October 6th. The intersection will remain open during daytime hours. One of the greatest professional athletes ever born in Arkansas, Brooks Robinson, is being remembered as a master of his position. Robinson died yesterday at age 86. He's considered one of the best defensive third basemen in history. Born in Little Rock, he spent his entire 23-year Major League Baseball career with the Baltimore Orioles, winning 16 gold gloves. He was named the MVP of the 1970 World Series and was elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame on the first ballot in 1983, elected to the Arkansas Sports Hall of Fame in 1978. Arguably one of the best nicknames ever, too, Human Vacuum Cleaner. That's right. I love that. First baseball game, first Major League Baseball game I ever saw, saw him hit a double. Oh, I love that. For the third time this year, the Arkansas volleyball team is hosting a ranked team in Barnhill Arena tonight. The 14th-ranked Razorbacks will host number 24, Auburn. Arkansas enters the match with a 12 and 2 record. Mornings can be so routine. With Morning Edition from NPR News, you can build a little bit of the unexpected into your morning with stories of progress. The latest craze in Silicon Valley, silver orbs that scan your eyeballs. With stories of what it means to be human and animal. Why did you buy the cat? Because I was lonely. And something sweet. The flavoring is rose water and orange blossom water. Listen every weekday. Morning Edition with your local host, Daniel Carruth, every weekday morning from 5 until 9 on 91.3 KUAF. And you can ask your smart speaker to please play KUAF. This is Ozarks at Large. For two days early next month, Rewired Fest will take over Bud Walton Arena. 
It's almost easier to list what isn't promised than what is. Here's a partial list of the ingredients for the event. Tech, esports, food, beverage, entertainment, and gaming. And there will be celebrity influencers who have a combined more than 200 million followers. Those influencers include Dude Perfect, Danny Duncan, and Typical Gamer. Now, if those influencers aren't necessarily influencing you, don't worry. Trevor Drinkwater says you'll still have a good time. Drinkwater is the founder and CEO of Trusted Influence, the event's organizer. With a lot of the influencers, and we're called Trusted Influence is the name of our company Mm -hmm. for a reason. We want to associate with people um, that we can trust, that we feel like are are influencing the right way, or have gone through tough times in their life and have overcome and and are, are inspiring. And, you know, people can inspire in a lot of different ways. But we, we are seeing like our, it, what's interesting for me now in the stage of my career is when we talk to people my age or younger that have kids that are in this, say, eight to 25 year range, when they start to engage with their, their kids around these uh, creators, it becomes a really interesting bonding moment. It's like they're experiencing something together. Like we used to do with sports. It's now kind of, you know, in this world of whether it's around fashion or health or, or again, sports or around, you know, pranks or, or challenges and, you know, all those types of things. We're even playing games. I mean, I grew up playing video games, not like my son does, but, you know, I really enjoy watching him play or the, you know, and it's fun to kind of learn and, 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 and uh, develop that kind of sense of community with, with that younger generation, which we hope we can do with this platform. All right. So I don't think I'm exaggerating here. Yeah. My experience with games kind of ends with space invaders so well you're gonna see we got the same (laughs) (laughs) so what's it gonna be like for me i mean i stay up with the news and with pop culture but this is a this is a slice of the world that i'm pretty clueless about will i be overwhelmed what can i can i navigate i think you'll i think you'll love it right because part of this is dispelling the myth right part of this is coming and experiencing and making it simple a lot of the games that are popular right now are the ones that everybody can pick up and play mm. right and, and we've actually in our first year with rewired we made an adjustment this year to be a little bit more democratic in terms of the game play because there are certain games that you have to be a pro right you have to really know what you're doing to compete and have fun but there are a lot of games that you can just pick up and start playing and still have a lot of fun and that's what we hope you would experience and by the way if you do that with you know, a, 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 your kid or your nephew or your niece or whatever, all the better. And by the way, we we did have and will have, you know, Pokemon there and Pac-Man there and all the old arcade games. So you can go in okay. and show your, your prowess. What is it going to sound like when we're at Rewired? Hopefully a lot of high energy, <laughs> a lot of excitement, a lot of things to do, a lot of learning, um, inspiring uh, getting to see people that you may not normally see in Northwest Arkansas. We have some amazing creators coming in like Danny Duncan and Dude Perfect and Typical Gamer. And, uh, and then it'll be a lot of fun interaction. Like we have a we have a simulator from the Air Force, you know, so you can go and learn how to fly a, a fighter jet. There'll be lots of games to play. We'll have competitions going on, uh, a lot of food and, you know, a lot of really fun things to do. So it's a mix of a just kind of a fun family, you know, festival with a lot of activity and excitement. But we like to really kind of weave in education, inspiration as part of it. So hopefully, you know, part of our goal is for the community to come. And we really like this this idea of like families, you know, when we, we work Mr. Beast, 
and helped him launch Feastables. One of the things I learned with that is that Mr. Beast is actually a connector between dads and kids. They watch it together and they enjoy it together. And it's this really interesting experience and dynamic. We want Rewired to be like that. We want them to come and and experience and have a lot of fun with it. We've been playing around with ideas of having kids coach, parents play, you know, <laughs> doing some really fun stuff like that, right? So that that's what we want when you show up to just be a fun, engaging environment. Another of the participants at Rewired next month is Russell Kasava. He's the founder and CEO of Little Bricks Charities. Little Bricks distributes Lego sets to hospitalized children, and some of those contributions have been to Children's Northwest. At this year's Rewired Fest, just like last year's, Russell will set up the Brick Walk Challenge. Participants can walk barefoot across Lego bricks. I asked Russell how his charity and the Brick Walk Challenge started. Oh, man, it's a crazy story. So I'm actually a three-time Guinness World Record holder for walking across Lego bricks barefoot. And the second time that I broke the world record, I found my purpose in life. And I quit my job, I cashed out my retirement, and I started Little Bricks Charity. Um, The following year, I went on TikTok and everything just kind of blew up. Everybody was like, this is crazy, this is cool. And they wanted to support it. And our community grew to nearly a million people overnight. And um, we've been traveling the nation now, doing amazing shows like Rewired, uh, connecting with communities, and uh, at the end of the day, delivering Lego to the children's hospitals that those communities are served by. Okay, I have a couple of questions here. One, you went on YouTube and, and and it probably wasn't literally overnight, but it was a sensation. What was it that connected? What was it about you being able to connect through this medium? Um, yeah, so um, my TikTok account kind of blew up, I think, really because of our community. Um, what I am trying to do with social media and through the nonprofit and through all my ventures is really connect people and not just share what we're doing, but share what they're going through. Um I know it's hard to see on camera, but right now we're rocking a bright yellow mohawk. Every month, I dye my mohawk a brand new color to bring awareness to a different childhood disease. And that all started from a young girl named Tessa, who is part of our community. Um, Our community has rallied around the people, the family, the kids, the hospital staff that we support time and time again. And I think that's what people keep coming back for. It's this rejuvenation of happiness that I I fear is missing in a lot of um, media in general, you know. Trevor, how did you and Russell connect, to use that word again? We connected last year. He, he came to our event and did an amazing job for us and just love what he's doing. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, our job is to inspire young minds to do great things. He's hitting young minds at a difficult time. And so we really like the connection there to show them, you know, there's, there's a a path forward and and a bright future. So his personality is off the charts. You know, he's just a great partner uh, in, in so many ways. And, you know, what we're celebrating with Rewired is a lot of things that he's, he's celebrating, which is, community building, problem solving, creativity, all of those things. And Lego is a great vehicle for that, in my view. Russell Kasva is the founder and CEO of Little Bricks Charities. And Trevor Drinkwater is the founder and CEO of Trusted Influence, the event organizer for the second annual Rewired Fest. It's taking place October 6th and 7th in Bud Walton Arena. It's free and open to the public. You can learn more at rewiredfest.com 
or through Rewired's presence on Instagram, Facebook, and X. This is Ozarks at Large. Oh, and you can find our stories from today and from the past at OzarksAtLarge.com. Walton Arts Center opens the Starlight Jazz Club season with a performance by the Tim Armacos Quintet, September 30th. A Grammy-winning saxophonist, Armacos draws from bebop, hardbop, to create an improvisational style. Tickets and information at waltonartscenter.org. And KUAF is partnering with Eureka Springs CAPC to give away tickets to the Eureka Springs 76th Annual Original Folk Festival. Two pairs of tickets for John Fulbright and Melissa Carper, Brennan Lee, and Kelly Willis Trio on Saturday, November 11th. Winners announced during the noon edition of Ozarks at Large on Friday, October 6th. KUAF.com to enter. This is Ozarks at Large, and this is the KUAF Fall Fundraiser when we remind you that the reason we can bring you Ozarks at Large and Fresh Air and 1A and all the programs is because listeners like you contribute to KUAF. You can do that right now at supportkuaf.com. And if you're looking for a little bit of incentive, a little bit of motivation to take some time to give during this hour's Ozarks at Large, our friends David and Deborah Malone of Fayetteville have put up $100, 100 smackers, to <laughs> incentivize new listeners contributing listeners, folks who may uh, be givers, uh, who want to make a little bit of a stronger impact during this hour's Ozarks at Large, $100 will be matched dollar for dollar when you give at supportkuaf.com. And thank you. Caleb Brosson, a professor of accounting in the Walton College of Business at the U of A, has researched the role of strategic communication and public information in the trading of stocks. Two of his recent studies found that companies often issue a press release touting positive news at the same time that they're forced to disclose bad news. Also, corporate insiders with operations in China were more likely to sell stocks prior to the stock market crash following the coronavirus outbreak. We posit that this is because they were better able to incorporate and act upon public information about COVID before other investors. They saw the impact that COVID was having on their own factories and supply chains and knew that it was going to be a big deal and pose a threat to their business. You can hear more in the latest edition of Short Talks from the Hill, a research and economic development podcast from the University of Arkansas. You can listen at KUAF.com, arkansasresearch.uark.edu, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a Wednesday edition of Ozarks at Large. Thank you so much for being with us. There is another new mural in Bentonville, this one on the exterior of the momentary. The art is another example of patronage of Oz Art NWA and was created by Katie Murs, a Brooklyn-based muralist. Her work collects hundreds of intricate drawings, modern hieroglyphics kind of, serving as examples of elements of life where her murals are created. Recently, I talked with Katie Murs on Zoom about her work. She says before she begins such a mural, she likes to talk with people who live near the mural site to get ideas of what images, words, pictures, and dialogue to include in her art. It's been my approach to how I see, because I think if you're, I mean, I'm making a generalization about being an artist or being a writer or anything, I think you're always downloading information for somehow observations equal something so or else you're like hypersensitive about your surroundings so in order to protect yourself you observe them and then through the observation you make them into something else so I think it's half protection half information gathering and also just making sense of the things around you so it's it's like a combination of how your brain works and 
what system you use to to is it translate or um deduct the world around you i think that's it all right that's interesting because i was about to bring up the word translate and and do you see it as sort of a translation you've seen these images you've talked and engaged with people and then it is a kind of translation that we the patreon patrons end up seeing yeah absolutely I mean, I think I'm translating it in a very, um, not a benevolent, not a general way, but in kind of a general translation. I mean, maybe my thoughts are specific, but they end up being distilled into general icons or specific ones, but they're they're in such a context of the togetherness. It's almost like being in a city where you're with all these people and it's a general place. But if you kind of go down a street or you go here, it's very much like being in a city. Then you get the more refined vision of the place. So it, yeah, actually, now that I say this, it's very much like going into a city. Very much. And what I love is, you know, there's some murals that are made and to get the full feeling, you need to be back. Mm-hmm. What I love about this work is it's you can get meaning from back, you can get meaning from middle, and you can get a lot from being very close. <laughs> you know, I was just talking to somebody about making this sort of virtual virtual space, and I said it's almost like looking out into space where, you know, when I was younger, I was like kind of upset because I didn't realize a star was big. I thought it was like it was a like dust. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, oh, relative space is it's as big as what you're on right now, you know, except far away, it's tiny. So in, in some strange way, the, all that relative relativity or relative to this or that, it, it always fascinated me. Like from far away, it's this like stellar landscape. And then from up close, it's like, oh my God, it's too much. <laughs> or, or I'm going to hide out in this small little piece <laughs> because I can't look at the rest. <laughs> what then is it like to create something that will look one way close and have a different perspective further away and further away? Well, sometimes I think it's like the way you spend a day where you, um, it's filled with so many different things. Like you decide to take a right turn and go down here and then this happens. I mean, it's all of your day kind of flattened out and then ordered. Because if you think about it, like a day is extraordinary. So much is going on in detail, in consciousness, in unconsciousness, in accident, in in purposefulness. And, And so that's how the gathering of the information has all that kind of hierarchy. And then when it's put up there, you're just kind of ordering the experience of a day or the experience of what I've seen or something like that. So the experience of making it is almost like I have all this information and it's all non-hierarchical, but it all has meaning. But if I put it out on a building and I order it, it sticks and it stays still. (laughs) (laughs) But, and this is what fascinates me, you have to start somewhere. That first first mark has to happen. Yeah. Um, in Benville, when I did the first, I, I got there, I was alone on Sunday. I arrived Saturday and I just thought, I just have to make, I have to go over there by myself and just start making the marks. And I always don't like 
the first one. And then I try and correct it with the second one. And then I try and make the first one feel better with the third one. I mean, I start doing all this strange stuff, like, like making this um, sentence. And it's always the most awkward um, pieces for me. The, the most awkward hieroglyphs are the, is, is where I start because I'm trying to get a footing. And then you look back and it like, I can't even tell where I started later. But it's it's psychologically, it's like those first marks are just like putting my foot, my stamp down right away. So I know where I am. You've done it enough that I imagine you trust that process, no matter how awkward or how at the time distasteful that first mark is, you know, you're going to get to that other side. Yeah, that's the best thing about it is it's like making a million mistakes and then suddenly you realize they're like when I was I was um, telling Anya, who was my assistant, how to what I was what she was going to do. And I said, don't worry about making a mistake because and then she filled me and she goes, it's going to turn into something else. And I said, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> if you make a mistake, it'll be part of the same family. There's no mistake. <laughs> That's much like a day, <laughs> right? <laughs> it is. And what is it like to have an organization like OzArt, NWA, that says, you know, here, here's a, here, here is a surface. Please create what you would like to create. Yeah, I'm floored. I mean, <laughs> they are really the best, the best people I've ever worked with because it's it's more than just it's the whole system is so respectful of what I'm doing and what they're asking people to do. And I think they're really schooled in it. So they just know, you know, what they're valuing. And that, that makes a huge difference to me because sometimes I think I, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe I'm allowed to do this. <laughs> You know, it's like something you get chased away from because you're ruining a, a you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Oz, Oz is, is phenomenal like that. I think because it's part of an institution that's sort of based on um, art mm -hmm. and nurturing that. And that feels, I'm way on, in the uh, umbrella of that. And it feels, it feels really great. And exploration, not just art, but exploration. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it is like, you know, a leap of faith on everybody's part. And I think with that, you create something very strong because someone believes in you and then you believe in yourself and then you kind of let go. Thank you for um, your time and, and, and for uh, being in Northwest Arkansas. Oh, yeah, it was my pleasure. I can't wait to come back, actually. Katie Murs is a Brooklyn-based artist whose mural can be seen on the exterior of the Momentary in downtown Bentonville. Also on the campus of the Momentary are custom benches created by Katie Murs. The work supported by Oz Art NWA. This and every other story you hear on Ozarks at Large, shareable through social media and through email. Just look for the links at ozarksatlarge.com.
Tomorrow on Ozarks at Large, what happens when a liberal attorney joins a Zoom call with a group of conservative politicians and voters? And I, I told them, like, guys, I'm so honored and and happy to be a part of this because I don't ever get to talk to you. And I think that we have more in common than we have not in common. And, and let's not let the divisive issues divide us. How the Arkansas Freedom of Information Act is bringing together concerned citizens across the political spectrum. At noon and 7 p.m. on 91.3 KUAF. Local graphic artist Gustav Carlson should be no stranger for many in our area. During and since the pandemic, he's hosted online portrait drives, some for charity, in which he sketched comic-style portraits of participants, usually with a spooky or sci-fi theme. He's also created and published a handful of comic series over the past decade, including Backwood Folk, Eve of the Ozarks, and Tourist Unknown. He recently released a new collection of individual stories from Tourist Unknown titled En Route. The release is a collection of one- to two-page stories focusing on the series' protagonist, The Tourist. Unfamiliar with the premise? Well, the tourist is trapped in a machine that sends her anywhere in time and space, but she has no control over where she is sent or how long she'll be there. To give us a little bit more detail about En Route, he recently stopped by the Harold and Blanchcock News Studio to talk with Ozarks at Large's Timothy Dennis. Gustav says while the stories contained within the collection are part of the larger narrative of Tourist Unknown, which turns 10 years old next year, they do stand on their own outside of that context. You develop and accumulate 10 years of notes and a lot of ideas. And given Tourist is a very episodic comic, mm. you know, you have a lot of ideas for what kind of episodes you'll do. Not every idea justifies a 20, 40, or even 120-page story, but mm. you still like the ideas. And they start to create a little backlog in the back of your head. And so I had 10 years of these pitches for ideas, but none of them really justified the full treatment. And so I wanted to exercise those ideas. And so I started just drawing them as one-page comics or two-page comics and really liked how it felt. And initially I was releasing them kind of as, as like these big newspaper format issues because I also just missed that format. Right. But as I worked on them, I started discovering, you know, the story changes a lot when you start to see this character's life very rapidly where you're seeing – every planet she goes to as opposed to only the planets where a full story happens. Yeah. And it also changes kind of the perspective of the comic, in my, my opinion, where it's like the main series of tourists is very much this individual journey. And then in route, which is, you know, 68 pages of just single stories, you start to see how the universe reacts to a character and you get to start seeing all the sort of tropes that you write with and you're all your individual quirks play out quicker because you're working on so many different stories at once. This is a fantastic looking collection. And it really reminds me of like the collections I had as a kid of Calvin and Hobbes, The Far Side, etc. Was there any specific inspiration for putting this collection together? Absolutely. I, I, especially since it started as a newspaper comic, I was really thinking or newsprint. It was printed on 11 by 17 newsprint initially. But like I was thinking about those kind of compilations specifically is like, will this read well on a road trip? Is this a great bathroom reader? Yes. Like, you know, yes. like that's and, you know, that sounds like a knock. But no, I, I think there's like a great place for that kind of book, too, where yeah. it's like I want to jump in. I want to see some weird, cool things, maybe laugh, maybe like have a little ponderous thought and then move on. Within this collection, you've included a finale. 
Yes. Of sorts. Yes, of sorts. Does that mean you're done following the tourist or are there more adventures to be had that you can fit in? So it has a finale to en route. There is, you know, more tourists coming. I'm, I'm well into a, a story called This Party's Dying, which takes place in a fictional Fayetteville house party, actually, <laughs> um, with some very weird horror and sci-fi kind of elements to it. But yeah, I'm, I'm working on the volume three of the main series. Now, the ending of En Route was one of the original planned endings of the entire series. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of leaving it nebulous, which is to say, I don't know if it takes place before the main series, in between iterations of the main series, or very far in the future of the main series. Right. Because it kind of does exist in its own sort of timeline of events. Yeah. There's some push and pull between the series, but not much. I mean, I guess it always gets a little bit tricky putting, like, you know, drawing a line in the sand whenever you're dealing with time travel yes. and different dimensions and everything. Right, right, right. But there's another tourist story coming out next year that is very much, you know, this is the 10-year this is either the ending or the status quo change. Well, it depends on just how I feel in, you know, yeah. having 10 years of work under it, you know. Right. So do you have an idea of, you know, when the time comes, how you do want to end it? I mean, you don't have to spoil it. Oh, but... of course. Actually, I don't. I used to. I had about four or five different written endings at different points. And I have a direction of where I know where I want the character to land at the end. I do not necessarily know what that story looks like when it comes to, to fruition. Right. You know uh, the destination, but you don't know the journey to get there. Right, right. And with a story with a, about a main character that doesn't know where she's going, I feel like it's almost cheating to know where she's going. That's fair. And I, I try to write very much from her perspective as much as I possibly can, which does include a lot of not knowing how it ends. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how you start some of these stories? Just like start out with an idea and then just follow it however it goes without knowing where you're going to go? Yeah, it, it changes from story to story. But generally speaking, most of the tourists' like stories were planned with about two-thirds drawn and prepped and like laid out and everything. And then I would try to figure out the ending based on the tools and setups that I'd given myself. That way mm-hmm. I couldn't really cheat and do the deus ex machina kind right, of endings right, right. and, you know, pull fast ones too hard. You yeah, know? draw yourself into a box, so to speak. Right, right. And then see if I can be clever enough to get out. Now, sometimes that means I go back and add some pages in the beginning so I <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, can yeah, better yeah. do that. But but by and large, I think it's worked out all right. And because it's a, it's, it's a series about being a tourist, it's not about being a a space hero or, right. you know, like a, a superhero or anything like that. It's, it's much more about experiencing these places. So it does allow a, a bit more like freedom of motion as far as what I want to do with it. Yeah. So on one of the last pages of this collection, there's a scene where a character is kind of referencing the tourist in relation to folklore. Mm-hmm. Is folklore kind of an undercurrent underneath all of your work? And how do you create folklore for something like space that few people have experienced? I do think folklore is kind of a big kind of cornerstone of of how I think about things. Because I think I try to write from a perspective of tall tales almost sometimes. Uh, Even and and I think sci-fi actually is, is, is a great kind of way to even uh, exaggerate that that tall taleness further because you stop having, you know, just your cowboy is no longer just, you know, wrangling tornadoes. They can create wormholes, you know, like yeah. you can exaggerate things further and further. And I think there's also just kind of you can create that isolation in sci-fi stories with like lonely dead planets or lost places and or faraway times that are harder to construct in in our reality now where everything seems to be picked over and prodded and understood. But also, 
are they actually really? Because you can kind of reframe that to be like, well, we think we know, but the folkloric truth has replaced the real one. And if you look at the real characters and the mm-hmm. real events, they're much smaller. And so in route kind of becomes a response to uh, you see this character and you see that she's kind of not this big deal and that she's just, you know, kind of a 20 something traveler, no different than someone backpacking across Europe, except that it becomes space. But the universe, because she's traveling all across it in different times and places through impossible means, you know, the stories grow about her. And so you get the – I think there's something interesting in the contrast of folklore to the actuality of a character. Yeah. Granted, the actuality of the character here is a time-traveling space woman, you know? Yeah. Like, but, you know, yeah. ultimately at the base of it. So you've got this new collection for Torsten. No, no, out. You're working on a new volume. What else are you working on? Currently, I am working on a children's book with Tom Marringer of Shire Post Mint called Otterhead. That's still in a very early stage, but it's coming together very excitingly, and I can't wait. I also just recently released, at the same time as in route, a mini comic written by a local writer named Sam Schreier. And it uh, is called The Canary Cage, also available off my website. But it's kind of a... Kind of just a, a very different kind of feeling kind of horror comic for me where it's not heightened by sci-fi at all. And <laughs> and she wrote a very marvelous script and we got to play around with it. And I, I tried my best to make it look like old film and points. And it was a very fun exercise, really. Right. So are you, do you have any plans to revisit Podunk or Eve of the Ozarks anytime soon? Yeah, I actually do. I've been in the last year or so writing a revival of Backwood Folk is kind of how I've been putting it, where it would be starting from scratch, but because that's, you know, 15 years well back that of inex- inaccessible material, you kind of have to throw the audience a bone on that. Right. Also, I, I, I feel like my, my, my views of the Ozarks have changed quite a bit from very bright-eyed 20-year-old to kind of a, a more tired, cynical yeah. 34-year-old. Yeah. But it still will be pretty loving, but, you know, in a more warts-and-all way this time, I feel like. I suppose that's only natural after you actually live, like, in the bush of the Ozarks for a while and get to experience both the good and the right, bad. Right, right, right. And, like, yeah, because, like, I wrote the initial Backwood Folk when I was in college, I think, mostly. And, you know, I... I was very excited about the Ozarks, and, and I still am, don't get me wrong. But it was also kind of that excited of, like, I need to relearn all of the, or I need to learn all of this. And now the excitement is a mixture of relearning with also recontextualization of it. And it's a much more, it'll be a much more, I say adult in the the very classical, mature sense of it, where it's like, it'll be a much more adult comic in that it's less wacky, but, like, not, yeah. like, you know, particularly different content-wise, but it'll be interesting. I'm not sure what the the format it'll come out in, but the writing's going well. For old readers, a lot of the original story will be covered in, like, within the first three issues. So, you know, it'll pretty quickly get to new stuff, too. But, yeah, it's been... It's been fun, especially in learning that, like, I keep trying to redesign the characters for the modern era as you as you do. <laughs> and then you keep finding out it's like, oh, no, this this worked the way it was, you know, which yeah. is kind of nice. It's like, oh, I didn't get too much wrong when I was, you know, 24, but, right. <laughs> you know, uh, or even further back. But it's yeah, it's it's interesting. Eve will be folded into Backwood this time. So there okay. will be aspects of that. I do not know. I don't necessarily have, like, tentative plans for Eve, but there's there's always – possibility yeah. for sure the gears are always turning oh so yeah speak. yeah i i don't think i have any abandoned projects as much as i have ones on hold that's fair <laughs> that's a good way of looking at it 
That was Gustav Carlson speaking recently with Ozarks at Largest, Timothy Dennis, inside the Harold and Blanche Cock News Studio at KUAF. The new collection, Tourist Unknown, en route, and more is available at his website, touristunknown.com. Hey, before we get away, I want to tell you about something that's happening tomorrow at the Prior Center for Arkansas Oral and Visual History on the Fayetteville Square. It's a conversation about Blytheville Air Force Base. It opened in 1942, then was renamed Eker Air Force Base in 88. The presentation will highlight the conversion of the decommissioned base into the National Cold War Center. Mm -hmm. Dr. Randall Woods, distinguished professor in the Fulbright College Department of History, will interview former Army Chaplain Colonel Robert Certain, who was stationed at the Blytheville Air Force Base in the early 1970s. He'll also talk about his experiences as a POW at the Hanoi Hilton. That's tomorrow night at the Pryor Center. Really going to be a fascinating conversation. Um, We are closing in on the end of the hour here, so we're going to take one more opportunity to remind you that now is the time to let us know how much you rely on and depend on the programming here at KUAF and with Ozarks at Large. You can make a gift. You choose the amount, Mm -hmm. and uh, you can make that gift at supportkuaf.com. We still have uh, the challenge from David and Deborah Malone of Fayetteville for $100. Your $100 will be matched by David and Deborah when you give during this hour. It's so easy to give. You can go to supportkuaf.com. And I want to stress that you determine the amount of your contribution. You know what you can afford. And if it's easier, you can become a sustaining member for as little as $5 a month. At the end of the year, that's $60. That's a significant gift to KUAF. It all works together. We all work together. There are no contributions that are too small. Nor too big. Right. We haven't had one that's too big yet in the history of KUAF. But we seriously, we all work together and make sure that the programming on KUAF remains strong and independent. We do that with your help at supportkuaf.com. This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Bentonville, and Devilston. Contributors today included Jacqueline Froelich, Timothy Dennis, and Victoria Hernandez. Our thanks again to Deborah and David Malone for providing an Ozarks at Large challenge. Our general manager at KUAF is Lee Wood. Matthew produced today's show in the Bruce and Ann Applegate News Studio 2. We're going to be back tomorrow, noon and 7, for a brand new edition of Ozarks at Large. We'll continue fundraising uh, through Friday evening until the evening edition of Ozarks at Large. But don't let that stop you from contributing right now at your pace, at the amount you feel comfortable with. You can do that at supportkuaf.com. Every dollar matters. Every gift matters. You can make that gift at supportkuaf.com. Thanks. We'll see you tomorrow. KUAF is supported by Hendricks College, one of 40 schools featured in Colleges That Changed Lives by author Lauren Pope. Hendricks is nationally recognized among private liberal arts colleges for academic quality, engaged learning, and value. Hendricks.edu slash connect for more. The Arkansas Shakespeare Theater presents the complete works of Shakespeare Abridged, a comical ride through all of the Bard's plays in just 90 minutes, at the Skokus Performing Arts Center in Alma, with two performances October 7th and 8th. Tickets at skokuspac.org or 479-632-2129.